For a little over a decade, from 1983 to the mid-1990s, UNT's Eagle mascot Scrappy was renamed Epi. In 2015, the athletics department delivered the old Epi costume to the University Union as part of a display to celebrate UNT's 125th anniversary. After the exhibit concluded, athletics didn't need the costume back. At first, the idea was to display Epi in Barnes & Noble, but the bookstore wasn't interested in taking him. So he was moved, glass case and all, to an employee's stairwell in the Union. It might seem strange that no one really wanted him, but let me describe him for you. Cloaked in a green and white jersey emblazoned with his name, Epi has giant yellow eyes rimmed in black, with dark half-slit pupils, an oversized banana-colored beak, and fraying grayish-white feathers. He's somehow both disarming and terrifying. Exactly the kind of thing selfies were made for. And that's how he became the focus of a few UNT subreddits. Students ask where to find Epi so they can snap a photo with him, and their peers provide directions and well wishes that they don't fall into his clutches. One Redditor even wrote some Epi lore. In their story, students creep down the Union stairwell and find the fabled ex-mascot right before he opens that giant beak and swallows them whole. Poor Epi kind of just lives in limbo in the stairwell, uh, and he's not part of the, uh, the University Archive yet. This is Rachel Zipperer, a graduate of the University of Georgia and the University of Texas. She was hired as a university archivist for UNT's Special Collections in October of 2019. She's especially interested in preserving pieces of university culture, and after stumbling across the Epi subreddits and the selfies posted within, she reached out to officials at the Union for the full story. And that's when she got to see history close up. We got shown Epi, we, we got the, the special tour. They opened the like employee-only door for us to go uh, view Epi. But I also just love every iteration of our mascots. And there are some, like the Epi costume's a little scary. There are some truly terrifying mascot costumes that you can see uh, photos of in the, the digital library, too. Well, did you take a selfie with the Epi in the stairwell? Yes, we definitely did. Um, if you look at our special collections, like Twitter and Facebook pages, we, we posted our, our selfies with Epi. As archivist, Rachel has seen some of UNT's most important and off-the-wall history. In fact, the special collections are like a microcosm of UNT history itself. Some seriously impressive pieces with a little wackiness mixed in for good measure. In the 130 years since we opened in a hardware store on the downtown Denton Square, UNT has grown into a university with nearly 40,000 students from 141 different countries. We're both a tier one research university and one of the nation's top 10 public universities on the rise. And perhaps most importantly, We've always been just a little bit different. On this episode of UNT Pod, in celebration of year 130, join me, Erin Kristalis, to explore some of the most unusual pieces of history that exist in UNT's special collections, and to see how the university is always working to preserve its exceedingly unique spirit.
There's often a preconceived notion attached to the word archive, the image of old yellowing papers from bygone eras. And yes, the university archive does contain many of those important records that tell the story of UNT's past. But if you really delve into the archive, whether in person or digitally, you'll find a wealth of materials you may have never even realized existed. In the university archives, I think of it as having kind of two overarching kind of collecting areas. So one of them is more institutional records. Um, so things like uh, records from different departments on campus or like president's papers, that kind of official university stuff. Um, so that's like, you know, records of enduring value that teach us something about how the university operated, that kind of thing. But then also we collect materials related to campus culture and history outside of, you know, the more official record. So we have a huge photo collection. Um, we're still actively working to document like the student experience and asking students and student groups to contribute more. So yeah, and we, we are actively building the collection all the time to, to make it a little more representative of what our, our campus culture is like. The University Archive is part of UNT's broader special collections, which includes rare books, oral histories, historical manuscripts, maps, microfilm, photographs, art, and other artifacts. And for the librarians who work in special collections, there's almost a mythology that has developed around certain items over the years. We have a huge collection of miniature books, and several of those miniature books were at one time considered the smallest book in the world. And there's a story that I, I don't think this, I don't know all the facts because this took place before, uh, I think when anyone that I know in Special Collections now was there, but uh, one of these books that was at one point the smallest book in the world, the Chinese Zodiac, uh, was lost at some point. And uh, librarians were like combing through the carpet looking for this tiny, tiny book that was not immediately visible. And then I think it ended up being just on someone's desk. And so it's found, it is still in our collection, and we know where it is now. In addition to the temporarily misplaced Zodiac, the miniature books collection also includes two tiny 4,000-year-old clay tablets, a copy of the works of Cicero from 1521, and other classical works, including children's literature and reference materials. But those aren't the only books that come with a compelling history. Uh, we also have an interesting story about our first edition of The Hobbit, which is cool that we have a first edition of The Hobbit at all. But uh, last year, I think in April, uh, the libraries received uh, a package from an anonymous person and it had this first edition of The Hobbit in it along with a letter uh, about how this person had taken this first edition of The Hobbit from UNT libraries in like 1974. They took it for their own collection and I guess later in life had a change of heart and returned it to us anonymously to you know be, be back with our collection and that person also I mean, anonymously, but we can assume it was the same person returned a first edition of the Lord of the Rings trilogy to Oklahoma Baptist University that they stolen from that collection. Uh, like they were just building their own first edition collections from various libraries and then, yeah, decided to give them back a little bit later in life. So now we have that 
really cool first edition of The Hobbit in our collection, and it lives with the, the letter that the, the person sent with us too. The anonymous letter reads, in part, to whom it may concern, enclosed herewith is a book that I removed from your collection back in 1974. It was, at that time, the only copy I had ever seen of the original 1938 first American edition of Tolkien's The Hobbit, and I couldn't resist it. I can't excuse myself for taking it, but I can tell you that I cherished it. Even though it had been rebound before I took it, it is still rare and a collector's item and should have pride of place in your collection. Sorry to have deprived you of it all these years. That first American edition of The Hobbit was stolen just one year before the university archive was established. But there was still plenty of history for the public to peruse on campus. At that time, Curry Hall was home to the historical collection. The beginnings of the collection are largely credited to beloved UNT history professor Joseph Lyman Kingsbury. From 1926 to 1986, it ultimately housed more than 250,000 unusual items, including dinosaur thigh bones, a rock piano that consisted of more than 26 volcanic rocks that gave off different musical notes when struck, and an 800-year-old Japanese warrior coat, among other oddities. So this historical collection in what is now Curry Hall was kind of a, a hodgepodge of, of everything, um, of antiques and curiosity kind of items. Uh, so it had things like uh, furniture, like military weaponry, uh, like ethnographic materials. Um, yeah, really a lot of different kinds of items. And when that collection, I guess, disbanded or dissolved in 1986, uh, some of those items went to other local museums, uh, some of them went to uh, what was then the Rare Books Room, which now is Special Collections, um, and some of them went to the University Archive. So now if you look in our like finding aids of the University Archive, we have a finding aid for the historical collection, so all this stuff still exists together, I guess, so you can um, explore, you know, by item title what is still there. So there is a ton of university material still there. Um, and then things like letters and papers from different families who have existed through history. Um, there are still some some dolls in the collection. There are like doll artifacts there. Um, and yeah, I think still some Native American artifacts. And yeah, it's I think there are 30 boxes that are still still in our collection and it's it's really a lot of stuff to explore. The special collections are open for research and anyone can explore them through finding aids on the library website. For those who wish to see items in person, the reading room will be open by appointment this fall. The public is welcome to view the collection and ask questions and UNT librarians are happy to help you find what you're looking for. You don't need to have a certain uh, research topic to come in. Like some people do come in with a, a specific research question and want to look at specific materials. But if you're just interested in, in weird stuff and want to come look at some item that you saw the title of in a finding aid and want to see what it looks like, you can definitely do that too. And there are definitely intriguing and unusual pieces to discover. In Rachel's time working for the archive, she's developed a few favorites. Our 
public services librarian loves to show off Mildred the hamster, which is a very unusual item we have. Um, so Mildred is part of the Williams Family Photography Collection, which is a pretty interesting collection in itself. Um, it's the photos and records from uh, the Williams family that included four generations of photographers all named Bird Williams. Um, and Bird Williams IV still lives in Denton and takes photos around Denton. But Mildred the hamster was his beloved pet as a child and her, uh, her skull is in the archive as well. Um, so that's, that's an artifact we like to bring out and as an example of who would have suspected that a hamster skull would, would exist in this, this photograph collection. Um, there are multiple photos of Mildred when she was still alive also, but the, the skull is in, it's in this like silver cross little tiny display case too. It's, it's pretty odd. Um, but yeah, then uh, some of our staff who work in metadata with the KXAS collection too have some favorite videos that they've discovered working to describe these digitized videos. Um, one that gets brought up a lot, I think, is there was this local news story about, and I forget what year this was, I want to guess the 80s or 90s, but a local farmer who raised rabbits and chickens and, you know, like had, had a big business selling uh, rabbits as pets and eggs for Easter. And it seemed like a pretty straight local news story, but then at some point the video kind of takes a turn and they mention that the farmer believes that playing music for the chickens to cluck along to helps the chickens meet their egg laying quota. And then it breaks into this very odd chicken clucking song that is unexpected. The chickens recently began clucking along to music and Sykes says this singing helps his hens to get in the mood for meeting production quotas in time for Easter. <laughs> How do some of these things end up in the collection? Like, how do you say, here's my hamster's skull. Um, can you take this? Yeah, um, so pretty much everything comes in through donations. So, the, and I guess something like the hamster skull, like obviously the, the photography element of that collection was the, I don't want to say more important, but that's kind of the overarching re reason we would want this family's collection in special collections and just so happened there was also a hamster skull in there um, and the hamster skull I think does have you know a lot of informational value we do have photos of Mildred when she was alive and it does kind of contribute to that story um, but yeah I think things come in through donations and we as archivists assess you know is this this fitting for our collection and Sometimes a hamster skull is, is still fitting. But it isn't just older materials they're interested in. Through the web application Keeper, any member of the UNT community can submit digital materials to the university memory collection. 
For example, the collection includes photos of UNT Spider-Man, who began spinning his web at UNT in 2015. There's a photo of Pikachu as part of a Pokemon Go game outside the business leadership building, and images of students and staff interacting with counseling and testing services therapy dogs. The memory collection is where you upload things like, just as a quick example, selfies you've taken with Epi. I, it's interesting because I feel like, especially in the year 2020, we're in this unique moment where we're like aware that we're in a historical moment and that we might want to save stuff that documents this period in time. Um, so the university memory collection was something that was already um, ongoing when I started in October. And we started this collection um, and we also developed a web application for students to more easily donate digital materials that then end up in the university memory collection. And the idea behind it is that uh, we do want to have a more, a collection that's more representative of campus culture and student experiences. And often students might not think that the, the items they are currently creating should be part of an archive or that an archive would want them. Um, and some people, or a lot of people do think of archives as being only older materials and don't think about the digital aspects of that. And that's how UNT Spider-Man ended up in the collection is someone chose to submit that photo and now it, now it lives in the digital library forever. Um, and yeah, when uh, COVID stuff started happening and stay home orders started coming out, uh, we thought there was an opportunity there to do some more active collecting and we put out a call for students to donate through our web application keeper to the University Memory Collection, anything that documented their COVID experience. And we've gotten some submissions already. I think there's about 25-ish photos that are in the, in the University Memory Collection now that are specifically related to COVID. So people have submitted things like photos of their work from home stations or of themselves wearing masks or empty shelves at the grocery store when you know people were going insane buying groceries. And professors are even having their students contribute to the archive. History professor Todd Moy recently received a special collections coursework grant from the library for his fall history of the present course. As part of the class, his students will document the UNT community's experiences with the COVID-19 pandemic and upload the material they gather to the university memory collection. The coursework development grant, typically the idea is that uh, professor will incorporate into their class an assignment that uses archival materials for research. So this is a little different that the assignment is asking students to contribute to the archive rather than just using archival materials. And um, Todd has taught that history of the present class before, but th this is going to be a little, a little different this year to you in asking students to contribute items. Um, but the, I think the kind of overarching idea there is to have the students think critically about history, to think in, in present day, like how will someone in the future look at this item? What information would someone in the future want to know about whatever it is that you contribute to the archive? As someone who never attended UNT, Rachel has a more objective perspective on the university's story. 
And after becoming acquainted with so much university history since joining UNT Libraries, she's developed her own take on what the past 130 years say about UNT. One of the first things that I kind of realized or learned is that UNT is always changing. I think that's pretty evident that we've been through like seven name changes since the, the beginning of the university. And um, even thinking about something like the historical collection that, you know, we had this museum of antiques and various items on campus, and then it became part of the university archive and part of the rare books room, and then those things combined to be special collections. Um, but also the UNT, uh, it seems to me, is very committed to telling these unique stories of our campus culture. Um, I did already know about you know, the portals to Texas history um, and these kind of efforts to digitize materials before I got here. Um, so it's like, I think UNT special collections and libraries are also really committed to uh, telling these stories in innovative ways, like the fact that this web application uh, and the university memory collection to facilitate student donations was already in place before I got here, I think, says a lot about, yeah, like our commitment to our students and to, uh, you know, telling a representative story through the archives and telling really uh, unique stories too. Because UNT is a very unique place. I've, I've learned since I've been here. <laughs> Thank you for listening to UNT Pod. If you're interested in viewing or contributing to the UNT archive, please see the show notes for a link to UNT Libraries. If you'd like to hear past episodes of UNT Pod, you can find them wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you'd like to share your own favorite UNT memories, connect with us on Twitter at UNT Social and on Instagram at UNT.